Colden FM. Online. The sound of magic. Enter Merlin. But beware. Do not interrupt his magic. Hi, well, thank you for joining us on this very, very special broadcast where I'm interviewing my good friend and fellow musician, Tom Newman. And for those of you that don't know, Tom was the musical production brain behind the classic Virgin album, Tubular Bells, 40 years ago. Would you believe it? 40 years ago, and he's still making music now, which is brilliant. So without any more ado, I think I'll go over now to the interview. Uh, We pick it up a little way in because we had some sound problems, and I do apologise for that, but there was was just sort of general welcoming and chit-chat, really, before this part kicked in. I'll speak to you again in about half an hour after you've listened to the interview between myself and Tom Newman. This new album, can you give me the full title of it for the listener's benefit, please? Okay, it's called The Secret Life of Angels, Part 1. Okay, and sort of where, I know you've said it's been a four-year sort of project to this point, where did you start to get the idea and how did that sort of come about and manifest itself? Well, it's, I, I suppose the very, very first idea came way back in 1993 when I was working with Mike Oldfield what the album that ended up being Amarok, uh, we were throwing titles around, and one of the titles that I came up with, uh, because my girlfriend Stephanie at the time had a little, uh, um, a little, a little fluffy toy, you know, little stuffed toy called Rosie Pig that she used to take round with her everywhere, and we used to talk to each other. Rosie Pig had was was kind of carnate for her. And so there was convers- there were three-way conversations that, that Rosie Pig could join in with. I was musing one day while we were working on Amarok uh, at, at Michael's place. And I, liked the, I was thinking about Rosie Pig for some reason. I thought that because of one of the tunes in Amarok, which I can't instantly recall, but had a kind of a toy-like quality. And I thought of the idea of calling the album A Secret Life of Toys because of Rosie Pig having a secret identity and whatever she did once we were not in the room we had this little fantasy that all the toys talked to each other uh-huh. uh, you know the, the idea was kind of appealing and I did a little sketch for the for an album cover that had Rosie Pig on the front and Michael thought it was too silly so it, it didn't get any further than that but about four years ago I was living in a place called Ballinamore which is in County Leitrim and I used to go fishing at lunchtime and I was I was looking through my old, one of my old sea chests full of old memorabilia, and I came across the sketchbook that had the picture of Rosie Pig in it, and the Secret Life of Rosie of, of Toys, and that stuck in my mind as I went down to the I walked used to walk down the road to the canal and, and do a bit of fishing at lunchtime, and I was sitting there as you do, hoping not to get a bite, you know, just musing in the sunshine. 
and uh, I can't remember. There was a there was a memorial of some kind that had an angel on it uh, that I used to pass. And the uh, so some you know in the daydream you think about things and they and they just pop into your head from time to time, and the universe throws things into your head and. The idea of angels came into it. I was because my girlfriend at the time, Katrina, she was mad about angels, and so angels used to come up every now and then as, as being the instigators of things and uh, and part of our everyday lives. And with the idea of the secret life of toys kind of sitting in the background, I was musing about the reality of angels and and whether they ever manifested themselves and. I'd never seen one, but there were people who claimed to have done. And, you know, all these things while you're sitting there watching the float, bobbing about. So uh, the, the musing went to, you know, I wonder if angels have got secret lives beyond how they interface with God and interface with us. What do they do in their spare time kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> so the whole idea of, you know, it doesn't take long once you get an idea like that to pursue it down the most illogical course possible just to see where it goes and the idea of angels being envious of humans because of their they angels having a fascination with the fact that when humans are born they learn fairly quickly what we've been taken especially irish humans you're taken to wakes from the age of three onwards you know or even from the age of being born onwards you, you find yourself at wake so you start to learn that when you get old you're going to die and you're not there anymore and i it, it struck me that an angel would be fascinated by that being immortal and being you know a kind of a a strange interface between the great architect and and the and the mortal carnal flesh of humans but never actually knowing what it's like to feel that you're gonna one day you're gonna be no more and you're corporal body would disappear that that would give them a, a kind of a, a a poetic kind of nostalgia they would they would be fascinated by what that felt like especially in the light of the fact that they're kind of they're there looking after us if you if you take on the kind of religious archetype they're there looking after us and trying to keep us in some kind of straight and narrow whatever that might be uh, and we 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 know that we're going to die and yet we still manage to come out with fantastically fascinating poetry and art and things of beauty i mean along with the things of ugliness we're also capable of extreme ugliness you know mm -hmm. and famine and rape and pillage and all the things that are kind of allowing us to understand the universe uh, which takes in everything, you know, as well as the poetry and the music and and uh, and the writings and the musings and the philosophies. We we know that we're going to die, and yet we still find the energy and strength and ambition and aspiration to to take part in this enormous, fantastic culture that we've been given free will to do what we like blessed be free will do what thou wilt is the whole of the law of course and lest it harm not absolutely and and yet uh, 
they don't know what that feels like because they they know that they're immortal. You know, the only thing they know is that they're there in it for infinity. And that, and the, the album came out of that. I went straight home after fishing, and I started to, and and strangely, the first thing, the first tune that I started working on was well, there were two actually. One was meant to be one was Raphael's bicycle, which is kind of the the con the idea of the archangel Raphael making himself or herself it doesn't matter which incarnate and learning and wanting to learn how to ride a bicycle without you know by putting aside the ability to fly and having to put up with gravity and vertical balance and stuff that we have to deal with the archangel Raphael exploring the the feelings and the emotions involved in learning to ride a bicycle and, and the second piece was what ended up to be Gabrielle's grief. Well, you know, the, the idea of an archangel suffering a grief. It kind of, and it, it was a toss-up whether it was going to be one of the so-called good archangels or whether it was, it was very close to being Lucifer's grief. Lucifer's grief I'm still working on and I'm going to develop Lucifer in part two. I mean, the reason for it being part one is because I'm still exploring the ideas that uh, will be inherent without I don't want I don't want to be guilty of using the religious uh, dogma of what they the, the religions think of them so I've been very careful about not I mean I've you know the, the, I've looked at the kind of the Wikipedia version of like Raphael being the healer and uh, etc you know the simple one-liners but I don't want to get involved in the complicated because as soon as you get into that kind of dogma, you find that the Muslims see it one way and the Christians see it another way. They all accept the angels, and mostly they accept their names, and the Hebrew accepts them. Hebrew accepts it as well. But they all got different, and they all start bitching about what, who does what to who, and who's in what story, and what they were called. And I'm not interested in that. That's such. That's the beginning of the complete bullshit of of uh, religion, which I'm, I'm desperate to avoid, really. So I'm looking at, at like the pagan archetypes and and so I'm going to go reach back into that for the next, for part two, which I'm gonna, I've am i started working on already and it won't be, it's probably take me a year to do it, I should think. So that's kind of the, the sketch of it, really. <laughs> I, I fully get where you're coming from. At first, when I, when I saw sort of the demos that are up on SoundCloud, mm. uh, because obviously at the moment I don't have the full album, Oh, you know, I've got one here now. I um, I got some made, and I com I was so busy during the week, I completely forgot to send you one. And I'll send you if you have. I got your address somewhere. Well, you should have. You've done me. I'll I'll email that to you. Yes, yeah, email it to, to you. If you email it to me, it will remind me, and I'll do it first thing in the morning. Brilliant, fantastic. But as I say, when I when I listen to the sort of the, the demos on SoundCloud. And I came across Raphael's bicycle, and I'm thinking, how the heck does this work? <laughs> and I, 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 now you've explained it, and I, I, I fully get it. You know that you, you're sort of looking at how they would, um, in your own words, how they would feel if they came down and lived a human existence. Which now I, I fully get. Um, but I was I was absolutely amazed by it, and I, I just <laughs> worked out the connection between Raphael and a bike. 
<laughs> well, I know. I mean, there are those who'd say it was fairly sacrilegious and and, and heretic, and you know. But I, you know, I I've got such a good relationship with the universe and and the angels and the great architect personally, where there's no bullshit. I mean, all you would have to do is to admit that God lives within you, and and. It's very simple, you know. It is so simple. It doesn't need religion to talk about it. It doesn't need commandments. Mm. If you accept that God is part of us all, then it all works perfectly. Absolutely. So uh, you can. I mean, you know, I know that the archangel Raphael is having a chuckle over the idea of being portrayed in a kind of a prog rock pop album. <laughs> You know, I mean, it, and it's in the kindest possible way. You know, absolutely. there's no malice aforethought, and neither given nor taken. I hope so. I mean, I'm quite happy about it. I'm, I'm, I dare say there are fatwas being taken out at this moment somewhere on the planet. <laughs> it's like my my album that I'm working on at the moment that I've been working on for about three years, uh, which is an album called Circus Macabre. I I suddenly had this. A friend of mine who moved over to the Summerlands, and this guy was quite a jovial sort of character. Aye. And I thought one of the things that he would probably organise in the Summerlands would be an annual ball. So my mind sort of followed the perverse lines like yours did. Yeah, yeah. If we had this ball, what would it be like? And how would it so I've, I've sort of created in the last few weeks, I've created a, a, a vocal track for the album, which was never the intention. And it's called The Summerland Ball. Okay. Um, and it's it's still very much work in progress, and it's very rough around the edges yet. But oh, this it, sounds fascinating, Dave. You must As soon as you've got any bits that you, you, you don't mind people listening to, I'd love to... Uh... I'd love to have a listen to that. Well, if you nip onto my Facebook page afterwards, then okay. you can have a quick listen to the, the very, very first demo of it. Okay, great uh, stuff. You know, I, I'm, I'm sort of quite impressed with it, to be honest. And as I say, it all came about because of this perverse thinking that we seem yeah. to have of, yeah. as being musicians and songwriters and all that sort of thing. Well, I think the wonderful thing about being any kind of, of, of artist or poet or troubadour, it's... You, 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 by the very act of doing what thou wilt, and that being the whole of the law, you, you dare to take on concepts that other people are a bit scared of, generally. Yes, yes. You know, and, and you've got, I mean, it's a, I suppose it goes back to the, there's a genetic connection between musicians who are natural musicians, not that I'm a, uh, in any way a virtuoso, but I'm, I'm a natural composer and musician, I can't help it, it's all I can do. And I'm sure it connects with the idea of the court jester in the ancient, you know, the, in the time of robber barons and kings, where, and in, in that, and bizarrely, this happens in this ha has happened in every culture in the world pretty well, even though they were totally disconnected for eons, was that the king or the most powerful robber baron or whoever it was, whoever held the court and who was the 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 the, the king always allowed the court jester to tell the truth without without having his head cut off yes of course you know the king needed someone who was free of 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 of, uh, of that kind of sycophantic bullshit that all of the court would have who could actually tell the king he was being a prick basically yeah. <laughs> and and not be executed for it 
And I think there's an element of that that runs through every musician's heart that, that, would, that would distinguish them from pop stars. Yeah. You know, the way that, you know, a pop star is just trying to make money, basically. But a musician is looking for trouble, generally speaking, in a <laughs> sort of way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. So the album is complete, um, so I believe. Yeah. And your release date, again, we've done it very, very close to release date, is the 18th, isn't it? Yeah, which I think is Good Friday, bizarrely. I don't know how that worked out. That was an accident, a strange <laughs> one, it must be said. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to sort of tell people how they can get hold of a mm. copy of the album. It's available on uh, our, our little label. Uh, Paul Brett and I started a label for the, ch for the Children of Ireland Tubular Bells CD called ViralDiscsAndDownloads.com and the album is available on there as a download and it will also be available on there from, I think, the 18th it's available as a, as a, disc, as a, as a download and I think we don't get the actual hard copies. They've been delayed and I think it's still the 20th of the in the early 20s anyway. A few days later, the, the CD will be available as well. Uh -huh. ViralDiscsAndDownloads.com There's a Facebook page, Viral Discs and Downloads as well, which have got all the links on it. So, Or, in fact, the links are on my page, Tom Newman, or uh, there's, there's, there's a Secret Life of Angels Facebook page as well. And all of those pages have got links to, the, to Viral Discs and Downloads. So it should be easy. Cool. Excellent. Now, moving on, You've talked about viral discs and downloads, and that was one thing that I did want to ask you about, is, is how is that going, the, the project on that to build this record label that everybody thinks you're mad to be doing? <laughs> well, I mean, the, 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 the Secret Life of Angels Part 1 is the second release, and one of the things that Paul and I have discussed is, I mean, obviously we want to expand the label kind of almost as quickly as possible. But um, we also want to give each release a fair crack of the whip before the next one, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, so we're, we're kind of in the middle of thinking about having um, a kind of a second string to the fiddle, so to speak, by, uh, by introducing a kind of a catalogue section in the label so that previous releases, like Paul's, Paul was in... Uh, Paul Brett Sage, and he's been in lots and lots of bands in the past, since like right back to the 60s. Yeah, yeah. All of which he's got ownership of, of the masters for all of those albums. And they've all got a good re-release catalogue value connected with them because they've got, you know, various cliquey sort of followings still. I suppose that's a bit like your July stuff as well. Well, exactly so. I mean, yeah. July... July, uh, I mean, we were too, uh, we, we, we weren't quick enough in, in terms of getting a deal to get July on Valdis and Downloads because uh, uh, Griffith's Clothing snatched up the July album and they've released it and they're working very hard at, at promoting it. So, uh, But in that same sort of way, I mean, uh, you know, we're looking at um, re-releasing uh, old, you know, vintage catalogue material as well. Mm -hmm. we're also looking at recording new up-and-coming artists but, but they won't be artists that have got anything to do with 
you know, Simon Cowell's kind of philosophy, really. <laughs> There'll be artists, hopefully, with a with a with a, a um, an inherent musical skill, and with with the possibility of a of a career, you know, a long career. Yeah. And developing an a musical aesthetic, you know, which is, I think, what we should be doing, really. What what should be happening? So we we're looking at developing young, highly talented people right across the board, not not in rock and roll necessarily, uh, but in more more to do maybe with folk and with uh, instrumental virtuosity and stuff like that, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's no there's no real barrier to what kind of stuff we, we want to put out. Uh, we're not a specific we're not we're not kind of um, specializing in any way. We're trying to be as broad as as broad a brush as possible uh but not what we're not looking at is is pop music really at all there's an amazing parallel coming out here tom hey <laughs> there's an amazing 40 year gap parallel coming out here <laughs> <laughs> well you know i've always felt that if i did start a label then it would be trying to carry on where Virgin Record left off. Virgin Records left off. You know, I mean, Simon, in the beginning when we first started, Simon Draper and I, we agreed entirely about what we wanted to do, and we were signing bands like Henry Cow and Hatfield and the North and Slap Happy and you know, really talented, musically interesting, left field sort of bands. But of course, uh, and I suppose rightly so in a way. Richard saw that what they weren't doing was being another tubular bells immediately and inevitably Richard had the ambition and the foresight to see that if he was going to get into space and, and own trains and aeroplanes he couldn't be fighting about with with small record sales so and that was always you know well that was the reason one of the reasons I left and it was one of the reasons Simon Draper left eventually he went along with the whole Sex Pistols thing and all the pop music that followed and the building of Virgin Records. But eventually, you know, even Simon got fed up with it, really, and, and recognised that that wasn't what he started the label for. You know, that that reasoning didn't make sense to him anymore. And so he went into book publishing and he's done very well at that, you know. But again, in a specialised sort of area. That was, a, that was the kind of divergence then. But, you know, I, I'd like to just slog at it because i'm not looking i'm not interested in becoming a millionaire and neither is paul really what we're more interested in is leaving a kind of a catalog of of interesting and maybe culturally important material behind us you know which is which is very admirable i i well, I, I, I think it's great it keeps you out of the pub that's for sure dave <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't stop you drinking it out the bottle though does it <laughs> Well, I'm on my teetotal phase at the moment. I oh, right. Okay. I do six months off every year. Yeah. Uh, and I, I won't start drinking again until July, middle of July, probably. And even then, I'm going to, I might not even start. You know, every time I stop drinking, I feel so much fitter and, and more healthy and, and more, more energy that as I get older, I start to realize that the drinking thing, it's only got one real really useful purpose and that is that it it does encourage the brain to be stupid which is kind of useful in a lot of ways <laughs> for an artist right. in any way you've got to you've got to take on stupidity <laughs> fantastic <laughs> um another string that 
has sort of become apparent to your bow is that you're a bit of a tasty painter as well, I believe. Oh, well, thank you very much. Sorry, I'm eating my lunch at the same time here. That's quite all right. So, yes, yeah, some of the the artwork that I've seen, I presume that, that a lot of it is yours. Yeah, it's all, all mine, all my own work. Well, my dad was a fantastic painter, and although he never ever sold anything because he wasn't interested, he only did it for himself, I spent many an evening sitting at the table watching him paint. I suppose some of it rubbed off. I, art was the only thing I was any good at at school, and it's the only thing I got a... Well, no, I actually got two GCEs. Um, I got art and English language, which were the two easiest ones. Yeah, I, I, I studied... Um, I, I, had, I did an apprenticeship for sign, as, as a sign writer. Well, it actually, it was a ticket... What they call a ticket writer in those days, uh, which is the same as sign writing, but you have to do it very quickly. And I was employed by John Sanders, which is a multiple store, like kind of a Bentles, in Ealing as the as the uh, apprentice ticket writer so i learned a lot about you know graphic design i suppose really from that i mean i'm a bit it's a bit old-fashioned now you know compared to all this modern stuff uh, i still got i've got a um, bits of me are stuck in in uh, in arts and crafts and art nouveau and art deco and stuff so so i haven't really caught up but uh, i i often i i uh, roger dean and i have restruck up a friendship from going back to from the 40th thing you know for the virgin's 40th last year yeah and uh, one of the things i'm going to do as soon as i'm over in england again is visit roger he lives over in east of brighton uh, i can't remember the name of the town now but i've got so he's i've been invited over so we're gonna i'm gonna go over there and pour over rogers i love roger's stuff you know you know yes artwork and in fact the early virgin artwork was, was obviously was rogers as well and, oh, yeah, uh, he did the yes artwork, did he? Yes, he did, ah, yeah. Right. I didn't know that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Roger and I get on like a house on fire. We used to years ago, but uh, it's funny, I hadn't seen him for 35-odd years, and we just clicked and got on and started, you know, it, it only took 10 minutes to go from how's it going and what you've been doing to talking about steam engines and vintage cars and all, you know, all the stuff that we that we both kind of uh, very keen in and keen on. You're a steam engine buff as well, are you? Oh, blimey. No, well, no, I'm not. I wish I was. I mean, I had I ever made serious hit records that, that, I, that I'd ever got any money, had I got any money out of my, my career in recording, I would have bought steam engines, like a bit like Roger Water, uh, uh, um, Pete Waterman. Yeah, he's a, he's a mad steam buff. And although I don't know Pete, one of these days, hopefully I'll, I'll bump into him and we'll have a chat about steam, because I, I love steam engines. I've got to say, yeah, I love steam. I started off loving steam engines, but I also love steam ships. I love any anything to do with big steam steam powered stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. Generally, I'd have loved to have been alive at the time of Isambard Kingdom Brunel. You know, seen the engines that he put in the Great Eastern. Yeah, I mean, we um, talking about that. We went to see the Great Britain last year. Oh yeah, amazing, I went, amazing, absolutely amazing vessel. Right. Yeah, I've not seen it since it's been restored. I saw it literally a week after they opened. They opened it to the public when it first went into dry dock. When they when they brought it back from the Falklands, uh, once they'd stripped out all the rubbish, you know, uh, they opened it to the public 
uh, you know, within a few months of, of it getting back because they wanted to start earning money, you know. So I saw it when it was uh, completely empty and being sprayed on the inside with uh, poly polymer, you know, spray. Yeah. And uh, it was magnificent, you know. I'd just love to have seen it with its with its engines in. Well, what they've one of the things that they've managed to do with it is they managed to find some of the old designs for the carpets in the staterooms and things like that. Really? And they've reproduced them, cost them absolutely thousands. Mm. But they've got the original designs that were in the ship when she was sailing commercially. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely fascinating. It's well worth a visit. And what have they got in the engine rooms now? Is there anything? Have they made wooden engines or what, what have they done? They, they've actually got some obviously not working engines in in the fact that they would actually power the vessel but they have got engines there that are replicas that you can see the valves and pistons moving and oh all that wow great very very good and you can actually now walk underneath that water yeah you can actually walk underneath it and walk around the hull underneath it as well oh my god that must be amazing it's fantastic yeah. it really is brilliant I've been writing an autobiography for about, I suppose, about three or four years. I started about three or four years ago. Um, but, but just this last year, I haven't touched it. Um, and I've, but I've written, getting on for 100,000 words already. So I'm kind of a third or halfway through it in a way. Mm -hmm. And what, what I kind of need to do, I've been, I've been a bit too busy. You know, you get busy and, and, and you get your priorities in a certain sort of order of, of necessity almost so that the thing that gets put on the back burner are the things that are kind of speculative you know and so the autobiography has gone on to the back burner for a while yeah. and what i really need to do is have a holiday and just take a laptop and and no phone and actually you know force myself to kind of relax and 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 uh, remember you know and recollect so yeah i mean the autobiography would it would be tempting to put that out you know to self-publish it i've got reams and reams of poems and 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 writings that i've done over the years that i'm slowly kind of uncovering i've got two or three sea chests full of old stuff that has been following me around probably for 50 years <laughs> in one from one boat to another and one house to another and etc and uh i i started a couple of years ago kind of pouring through and 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 with the idea really of throwing most of it away but actually the more i looked at it the more i couldn't throw it away and uh so it's it started to bring in a sense of nostalgia so i'm sure that hopefully in the next uh in the next year this this coming year and maybe next year i will try and get the biography done and I, i'm definitely interested in pulling together a couple of books of poems because i've got all sorts of poems. I mean, some which are incredibly self-indulgent nonsense, but others that I've, that I'm quite I I I, I, dis, I rediscovered, and I think, oh, well, blimey, did I write that? That's quite good, you know. Um, so there's I've probably got two or three books of doodlings available, or you know, potentially available, and uh, I might get round to that this year because. I've got this chance. I've got a wonderful girlfriend in, who lives in Rio de Janeiro, and I've promised myself to go over there for a, a month or two in the middle of the year, and and uh, have a holiday with her. And 
that might be the opportunity I need to sit down and and crack on with 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 writing stuff. So yes, viral discs and downloads. I'm, I haven't mentioned it to Paul, but it, it seems an obvious thing to do, you know, to extend it into the written word as well. I suppose I'm a pagan, very much so. Uh, but I've, I've kind of always been a pagan. As soon as I managed to shake off the, the chains of Catholicism, which I was kind of born with, it's a very hard road getting away from it. I had help in the sense that I got excommunicated anyway. So... <laughs> It's a, it's a good thing. I think everyone, everyone who's a Catholic should should uh, feel the Pope's boot up your ass. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, that, I, you know, I, having said that, I don't want I don't want to get death threats from Catholics, extremist Catholics. There's nothing wrong with being a Catholic. If you need a crutch, then a Catholic crutch is as good as a Protestant cut crutch which is as good as a Muslim crutch. Absolutely. Which is as good as any crutch that's got a, you know, that is centred around religious dogma. What The, the great freedom, it, God, it, it, it was just such a relief to suddenly recognise that I could have God in my heart without having to fucking go to church and make obeisance to some poncy rich bunch of geezers who were just lording it over us, you know. Yep. Yep. You, you know. And in a way, I suppose I've been a pagan for 20-odd years, 30 years, in that sense, in the sense that I'm so, I'm so much happier in my spirit knowing that I've got a direct line to the Almighty, you know. And so it's, I don't know what, but above and beyond that, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I've never been to a pagan ritual, and I've never... Uh, I've never been to a druidic thing, and I, not that I've, I've got nothing against. I'd love to be invited. Like, you have to be invited. I've never been invited to anything, so it's not something that I would be familiar with, really. But um, but I would definitely call myself a pagan. Anyway, now getting back to your story, and one of the things that I'm interested in as well, going back to the album "Secret Lives of Angels." Who played the instruments? Did you do them all? Yeah. Fantastic! Well done, mate, man. <laughs> well, uh, did you I've, sing on it as well? Uh, there's a little bit. Well, it's not really singing. There's a there's a little bit of vocalization on um, on calling on. There's two. There's a track called "Calling the Fallen," and there's a track called "Lucifer's Grief," which and there's a kind of there's there's some a cappella vocals on there. Yeah, it's Lucifer's Grief. I heard. So yeah, I mean, it's not. Again, these are things that I'm. I'm. I've, they're kind of in their embryonic phase on this album. So part, uh, you know, Secret Life of Angels Part Two. I'm going to start to get more specific and more and more kind of focused on on different things. You know, at the moment it's still kind of unfocused. You know, I'm just getting feelings, and so I, the bits of music on Part One. Are translations of just feelings about it. Yeah. Yep. What I'd like to do is to get more, more, more into what I feel are the characters, again without reference to religious. Mm, of course. Or, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to. I'm hoping that the angels will will speak to me a bit, you know, and and let let me recognise something about their names that gives that to me develops a character for them that is not been attributed to them by by any one of the religions you know 
that's asking a bit much, you know. But I'm, I'm laying myself open to bed to have angels whispering in my ear. And I, I've, I've got to say, I'm a bit scared if that, you know, having having put the challenge, not challenge, but having having asked the question of the universe, the universe tends to answer you. Yes, and, of uh, course. I'm, I've got to say, I'm a bit scared about what the answers are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> you never know I just yeah, hope I'm up that's to, very true I hope I'm up to uh, translating it into music you know right well I think we've sort of much as I could carry on talking to you for ages and ages and ages because I think you're so fascinating <laughs> we've, we've now managed to crash another 47 minutes so I think uh, oh god I'm so <laughs> sorry you're going to have a long editing job to try not and to worry not to worry at all Tom it's been a pleasure <laughs> as always Thank you very much, Dave. And I'll send you details of my address as well, so you yeah. can do that for yeah. me. Yeah, great. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll let you know. I'm going to be in England in the next month or two, so it would be great to actually meet up. And uh, maybe if I leave it till after my, my drinking, uh, my abstinence, I can buy you a pint. That would be lovely. Whatever. It doesn't matter to me because I hardly drink as well. So it may Oh, right. Fun. Oh, good. Okay. I thought, you know, being a Devonshire man, you'd be... A cider drinker or something. Oh, I do. I do like a pint of cider occasionally. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe we'll have a pint of cider soon. Yeah, and uh, I'd love that. I would really would love to have a face to face with you. Yes, um, great. Over a beer or over some food or whatever. Yeah, you know, wonderful. I'd love it. So thank you very very much, Tom. Good luck. You're very welcome. Secret Lives of Angels. Thank you very much. And, um, Anything I'll... you can do to to flog a few copies, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll certainly look at that as well for you. All right, mate. Thanks very much, Dave. And uh, I'll speak to you again very, very soon. Thanks a lot, mate. Good luck. Bye. Bye. Blessed be indeed.
go, that was Raphael's Bicycle, taken from Tom's new album, The Secret Lives of Angels, and that's due for release any time now, depending on when you're listening to this, may be already released, and is available from, as Tom said, viral discs and downloads. And I really, really enjoyed that interview, because... I learned something new about him. I didn't know he was a poet. I didn't know he was a painter, author of books, etc. Very, very, very talented man in my estimation. And to sort of develop that theme a little bit further, this next little piece of music is taken from one of his albums from 1977 that's actually listed as a progressive rock album. And it's called Fairy Symphony. And this excerpt features two tracks. One is called The Fluter, and the second is called the Seely Court. So have a listen to this extract from Fairy Symphony by Tom Newman. Uh-huh. 
making magical, mystical memories. Merlin. Well, wasn't that good? The Fairy Symphony. I want to hear the whole album now, having heard that. It's sadly coming round to the time when I've got to say goodbye. I'd like to thank you very, very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this show. There will be, it's a schedule for the beginning of May, an interview with another music celebrity, a lady called Celia Ferran. And she lives in America. She's a Celtic-influenced, new-age, pagan artist. She's already done an interview for Cauldron FM, but this is the first time I've actually will be interviewing her. So that interview should take place around about the 10th of May. So mid-May, we should get that interview broadcast. So until the next time we speak, I'd like to say thank you ever so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you still will uh, enjoy listening to Cauldron FM. If you're listening to this on Capstone Radio or any of the other broadcast networks we have, again, thank you very, very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it, and I'll speak to you again very, very soon. And until then, I wish you love and light and blessed be from me, the Merlin. I was actually going to tell you on our Thanksgiving Day that you are one of the things I was thankful for and how much Cauldron FM has and does still mean to me. I listen to it often, and it's like coming home. Cauldron FM, where the magic really happens. Streaming 24-7. Cauldron FM, the sound of magic. Golden FM is a Moonshadow Media production. Yes, one take! Ha <laughs> ha!